Hey everybody, it's Dan Dan, and today we are diving into a step study. We are using the handy dandy, never dull, 12 steps and 12 traditions book. So pull it out of your pocket, pull it up on your phone or whatever it is, and let's get started. So step six, it's a, it's a really cool step because it's a part of something where we're going to move from the idea of character defects that we discovered in step four and the idea of being able to confess our sins, so to speak, or to do something in step five, to admit to God, to ourselves, and to another human being, the nature, the nature of our wrongs. And that's a really important thing. And in step six, we're going to take that nature of our wrongs, those things about us that hold us back, those roadblocks to our faith in God, the things that keep us from living the life that we really want to live. And we're going to become ready or entirely willing to get rid of them. So the bullet points of step six, which occur here in the table of contents, which is a great place to start, uh, say step six, necessary to spiritual growth. So this is an important part of spiritual growth that we understand who we are. In step five, we learned that humility was knowing exactly who we are. The beginning of a lifetime job. So we're not going to finish step six. It's something we do repeatedly. And he'll talk about that right at the beginning. Recognition of the difference between striving for objective and perfection. That's the idea that ideal is great to know, but real is where we actually live. It's the real versus the ideal. We must keep trying so we don't give this up. That's another thing. Being ready is all important. So that readiness really comes in as a, a not just a vital thing, but something you'll notice that something about you that you don't like and you want to get rid of it. Necessity of taking action, of course. If you don't actually do it, what benefit are you going to get? Delay is dangerous because we've stirred everything up and we've gone and talked to God ourselves and another human being about the nature of our wrongs. Now what? Right? And we've stirred it all up. So do not delay. Rebellion may be fatal. A lot of people want to stop. They don't understand step six. You get in the big book and it's just a couple of paragraphs point at which we abandoned limited objectives, which is your will and move towards God's will for us. So that's how it starts off. Step six is, you know, one of those things that doesn't get a lot of time. And the more time that we give into this step, the more benefit we're going to get from it. And by that, I mean, being aware of who we are and what we do and the things that defeat us and keep us from our faith in God, our relationship with our higher power and keep us from good relationships with other people, all those kind of things, you know, this is where we learn how to offshore. And I like to think of it like this, and we'll, we'll go through this story right at the end, but it's a little bit of God's trash can. And we'll, we'll talk about that here in just a few minutes. What I would like to do though, is first let's get started. So we're on page 63 of your 12 steps and 12 traditions, the handy pocket guide to the steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. Step six, we, 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 we're entirely ready, entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. So it starts off right here, and this statement comes from a clergyman named Sam Shoemaker. This is the step that separates the men from the boys, so declares a well-loved clergyman who happens to be one of AA's greatest friends. He goes on to explain that any person any person, that's you and me, any person capable of enough willingness, that's an agreement within ourselves to do something, 
and honesty to try repeatedly step six on all his faults without any reservation whatever has indeed come a long way spiritually because we're recognizing these things need to go. We need to quit doing these things in our lives and move on. Come a long way spiritually. That's a nice thing to think about, isn't it? And is therefore entitled to be called a man who is sincerely trying to grow in the image and likeness of his own creator. Hmm. I don't know about that, but we're going to find out why I think so. Of course, the often disputed question of whether God can and will under certain conditions, so it is not an unconditional deal. It is something that comes with conditions. Can and will, under certain conditions, remove defects of character, will be answered with a prompt affirmative, which means yes, by almost any AA member. To him, this proposition will be no theory at all. It will be just about the largest fact in his life. He will usually offer his proof in a statement like this. Sure, I was beaten, absolutely licked. My own willpower just wouldn't work on alcohol. Hmm, Willpower, that ability to control yourself, wouldn't work on alcohol. Change of scene, the best efforts of family, friends, doctors, and clergymen got no place with my alcoholism. I simply couldn't stop drinking, and no human being could seem to do the job for me. But when I became willing to clean house and then asked a higher power, God as I understood him, to give me release, my obsession to drink vanished. So that's a pretty important thing, isn't it? That my obsession to drink vanished with the mere request to the God of my understanding, the higher power, to give me release. And that's uh, part of that willingness, that agreement between myself to do something and then taking action. My obsession to drink vanished. It was lifted right out of me. In AA meetings all over the world, statements like this are are heard daily. That's so true. I hear them all the time too. It is plain for everybody to see that each sober AA member has been, here it is, granted a release from his very obstinate and potentially fatal obsession. God grants us that. That's so incredible. So God sits at an important position here at step six. Because he's already done this miracle in that we're not drinking and we're in AA and we're doing these steps and we're moving forward spiritually. We have evidence of good spiritual progress. It's going to tell us how to measure that in a little while here. So in a very complete and literal way, all AAs have become entirely ready. So it's not that big of a deal, is it? To have God remove the mania for alcohol from their lives. And God has proceeded to do exactly that. Having been granted a perfect release from alcoholism, why then shouldn't we be able to achieve by the same means a perfect release from every other difficulty or defect? This is a riddle of our existence, the full answer to which may be only in the mind of God. Nevertheless, at least a part of the answer to it is apparent to us. So part of the answer, we're going to come up with just a few things that are obvious to us, and and Bill's going to help separate this idea of perfection and the ideology versus reality right now. When men and women pour so much alcohol into themselves that they destroy their lives, I did that, um, they commit a most unnatural act. So we're talking about our instincts in step four, right? Our instincts gone crazy. In step five, we're addressing some of these things about the nature of our character, that self-destructive nature, that selfish nature, that 
nature to be a thief or a liar, a manipulator, whatever it is. All that is what we're talking about right here. Most unnatural act because they defeat our desire to have trusting, loving relationships. Defying their instinctive desire for self-preservation, they seem bent upon self-destruction. They work against their own deepest instinct. That's what we're talking about. As they are humbled, huh? as they are humbled, as they are humbled by the terrific beating administered by alcohol, the grace of God. Now, I mean, when you're new to AA, you may wonder, how in the world does the idea of a terrific beating and the grace of God coalesce in the same sentence? How in the world can that be? It's the beating that gives us the humility to notice the grace. I don't know. That's my answer. It is. As they are humbled by the terrific beating administered by alcohol, the grace of God can enter them and expel their obsession. Here, their powerful instinct to live can, really important word, cooperate, right? Work together with the creator, fully with their creator's desire to give them a new life. For nature and God alike abhor suicide, something we see way, way too much of in AA. Boy, oh boy, if you got somebody out there that's thinking about suicide and it's part of why we want to get through this step so quickly, it's because nature and God abhor suicide. And if we don't move quickly through the fourth, fifth, and sixth step, it can be a very dangerous time for people. So if you're working with sponsees and things like that, or if you're in the midst of this now, dive all the way in, dive all the way in. But most of our other difficulties don't fall under such a category at all. Every normal person wants, for example, to eat, to reproduce, to be somebody in the society of his fellows. And he wishes to be reasonably safe and secure as he tries to attain these things. Indeed, God made him that way. He did not design man to destroy himself by alcohol, but he did give man instincts to help him to stay alive. It is nowhere evident, at least in this life, that our Creator expects us fully to eliminate our instinctual drives. So far as we know, it is nowhere on the record that God has completely removed from any human being all his natural drives. Well, thank goodness for that, right? Since most of us are born with an abundance of natural desires, it isn't strange. Because we have these desires, it's not at all strange. We just get them out of whack. Fourth step, right? The instinct's gone completely crazy. Fifth step, we're going to talk about the results of that in my behavior, in my life, and how I hurt other people. And the sixth step, I'm going to say, man, I don't want to do that anymore. What do I got to get rid of, God? I'll, I'll give it all to you. So we're going to move on. It isn't strange that we often let these far exceed their intended purpose when they drive us blindly. I'm not even aware of it. I'm just getting by. Survival skills, whatever. You know, I'm just trying to get by. Or we willfully, that means on purpose, we volunteer, we intentionally, we willfully demand that they, here's such a critical set of ideas. This is how we end up in trouble. Ready? That they supply us with more satisfactions or pleasures than are possible or due to us. That is the point which we depart from the degree of perfection that God wishes for us here on earth. So, 
four-step our instincts drive us out of the window. We try to reconcile with God by admitting to God, to ourselves, and another human being the exact nature of our wrongs so we can recognize that it is at that point when those defects of character come to light, when those things come into life, that is the point where I step away from my higher power and I step away from that grace of God and into my own will. That is the measure. This is how we measure it. That is the measure of our character defects, or if you wish, our sins. So the measurement again is the point at which we depart from the degree of perfection that God wishes for us here on earth. Wow. That is the measure of our character defects, or if you wish, of our sins. If we ask, if we pray, ask means pray here in, the, in this book, God will certainly forgive our derelictions. Hmm. But in no case does he render us white as snow and keep us that way without our, there's this big word again, cooperation. We got to cooperate with our higher power. We got to work with the spiritual laws. We got to rest right on in. And as we'd say in the corporate word, lean into the challenge of the steps. We got to lean into these steps and rely on them and rely on them. That's cooperation. That's the cooperation. He won't keep us white as snow. He won't keep us that way without our cooperation. That is something we are supposed to be willing to work toward ourselves. He asks only, God asks only, the creator, the universal spirit, only has one thing that he asks, and that is that we try as best we know how to make progress in the building of our character. Doesn't that sound like a great day? I'm going to go out and build character today. Woohoo! <laughs> no, I bet it doesn't. But the satisfaction and the greatness that comes from it is immeasurable. It is our character defects that have caused us so much trouble with the things we really want, namely trust-based loving relationships. And it is by building away from those defects to the character of our creator, to the character of God, your higher power, that is how we become closer to him. And when our measure of this is how far are we into our defects of character and not into serving our God. And that's step seven stuff. We haven't gotten to it yet, but this is the preparation for it. So step six, we are entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character is AA's way of stating the best possible attitude, angle of approach, way to think about it, the best possible attitude one can take in order to make a beginning. Whoo, thank goodness. Thank goodness. It's just a beginning of this, and then you got to double it down, doesn't he? He says, of this lifetime job. This does not mean that we expect all our character defects to be lifted out of us as the drive to drink was. A few of them may be, but with most of them, we shall have to be content with patient improvement. Patience with who? Patience with you. Patient improvement. The key words, entirely ready, underline the fact that we want to aim at the way we want to aim at the very best we know or can learn. Open-mindedness. He's going to talk about it here in a minute. How many of us have this degree of readiness? I don't know. In an absolute sense, practically nobody has it. Woo, thank goodness. The best we can do with all the honesty that we can summon is to try to have it. Critical sentence here. Even then, even then. Even if we think we're being honest, even if we think we really understand ourselves, even if we believe the fourth step was incredibly enlightening and we had a spiritual experience coming through the fifth step, even 
then. We've dedicated and doubled down and said, I'm going to do this or that for my higher power. I'm all the way in. I'm going to make 20,000 pots of coffee and I'm going to clean the room six times a week. I'm just going to do it. You know, 12 days a week, I'm going to do AA all the time. Even then, even then, the best of us will discover to our dismay that there is always a sticking point, a point at which we say, no, I can't give this up yet. And we shall often tread on even more here critical dangerous ground. And we'll go, why? When we cry, this I will never give up. Such is the power of our instincts to overreach themselves. No matter how far we have progressed, desires will always be found which oppose the grace of God. So desire, it's like a Buddhist idea, right? That desire is the enemy of man right there. What he's trying to tell us, I think, is this, and what's true in my experience is this. Humbling myself, knowing my true self, knowing who I really am, allows me to eliminate the barriers, the defects of character, the sinful nature, the maladjustments, as he calls it in, in, in step four, that, that keep me from having the sense of God, the God consciousness of the spiritual experience. And when I notice that I'm depressed and I'm irritable, and I'm agitated, and I'm angry, and I'm discontented, and I'm restless. When I notice these things, I can point at me and look to the program and the principles of the steps in order to do something different. Do something different, and I can walk right back to this six-step process, this idea that I'm entirely ready and for a moment aware of a character defect that is in the moment causing me problems that I don't like, that in the moment I'm not thinking and feeling the way I want to think and feel without alcohol and drugs. I can just step away from it and move towards that grace of God. That key of willingness in the third step just gets put right back in and it immediately works. Wow. Wow. Some who feel they have done well may dispute this. Yeah, well, you know, that's alcohol. Let's argue about it. Let's argue about it. So let's try to think it through a little further. Practically everybody wishes to be rid of his most glaring and destructive handicaps. No one wants to be so proud that he is scorned as a braggart, nor so greedy that he is labeled a thief. No one wants to be angry enough to murder, lustful enough to rape, gluttonous enough to ruin his health. No one wants to be agonized by the chronic pain of envy or to be paralyzed by sloth. Of course, most human beings don't suffer these defects at these rock-bottom levels, but you and I do. We do. We take this stuff way too far. We just keep on going with it. And that's why this step is so important. This step, the six-step process, is the turning point that we can bounce back one, two, three, four, five, six, and turn towards God and start doing his will. So important, so important. So what he's talking about here in a way is also this idea. It's easy for me to look out into the world and see what I don't like about the world. And it's very difficult for me to see that that's actually me that I don't like. That what I notice in the world that I don't like are prejudice and opinions and certainties that exist in me. And I don't like it when I'm competing with you for my character defects, you know? I want to show my defects and I have no idea why I got to tolerate yours. It's also this idea that I know what you ought to do to get better and I am unable to do it myself. I know what you ought to do, but I can't do it myself. And if I could do it myself, why don't I do it? And then my concern about you 
of course, gets lower. And this is why the whole relationship with a higher power, the spiritual part of recovery is vital. If we don't have that principle, that place to go to, that marker on the road that says you are here, we don't know what to do. And that's what the sixth step is about. Okay, so I bump into being angry, irritable, depressed, restless, discontented. I bump into this. Well, now what? You know, am I going to double down on it? No, we're not. It says we who have escaped these extremes are apt to congratulate ourselves. Oh, I got my six-month chip today. I'm just fantastic. I can't believe how good I'm doing. Whew. We who have escaped these extremes are apt to congratulate ourselves. I mean, it's just a sideways smack at pride. Yet can we? After all, hasn't it been self-interest, pure and simple, that has enabled most of us to escape? Right? I showed up at AA because, well, I didn't want to die. I showed up at AA because I didn't want my life, wife to live or my life to change or the court to hold me fully accountable, whatever. Not much spiritual effort is involved in avoiding excesses which will bring us punishment anyway. So if we're motivated by outside sources and not by our higher power, we're probably not going to get the benefit of this. So it might be something where we want to think about it in a little bit different terms. Not much spiritual effort is involved in avoiding excesses, which will bring us punishment anyway. But when we face up, own it, to the less violent aspects of these very same defects, then where do we stand? So it's that everyday stuff, those seemingly unimportant moments, those little tiny incursions, the so-called white lies, the little bit of gossiping, the little tiny bit of opinions, the thing I'm just not going to do, even though I said I was going to do it, you know, the less violent aspects of these very same defects, then where do we stand? What we must recognize now is that we exalt. We really actually love these things. We exalt in some of our defects. We really love them. Who, for example, doesn't like to feel just a little superior to the next fellow. Kind of like your sports team, right? My sports team is better than your sports team, or my church is better than yours, or my car is better than yours, that kind of stuff. It has to be, you know, I'm a better person than you. It can be a lot of things. Isn't it true that we like to let greed masquerade as ambition? Now, you'll meet a lot of entrepreneurs in the 12-step programs and in recovery. This is a critical concept right here. I'm after money. And if all I'm after is money and whatever I'm doing, I'm probably going to add something to it called what I think I'm worth. And that's really not a good place to be. I can get really dissatisfied with a job that does their thing, right? They make my paycheck. My paycheck's good every week when I go get it or two weeks. It's in the bank like it's supposed to be. And I just kind of minimum, minimally perform. They make sure I get 100%, but I don't quite give 100%. Greed masquerading as ambition is something we want to pay a lot of attention to. To think of liking lust seems impossible. I certainly don't just like it. I like lust. That just sounds silly, right? But how many men and women speak love with their lips and believe what they say so they can hide lust in a dark corner of their minds? And even while staying within conventional bounds, many people have to admit that their imaginary sex excursions are apt to be all dressed up as dreams of romance, disillusionment, self-righteous anger. I love self-righteous anger. Self-righteous anger also can be very enjoyable in a perverse way. And that's 
wrong enough in a way so wrong it's strange in a perverse way we can actually take satisfaction from the fact that many people annoy us for it brings a comfortable feeling of superiority gossip barred with our anger a polite form of murder by character assassination has its satisfactions for us too here here we are not trying to help those we criticize so there's the qualifier are you trying to help them are you trying to hurt them help or hurt here we are not trying to help those we criticize we are trying to proclaim our own righteousness at their expense i'm adding that last piece on there because i think that's the difference the addict alcoholic mind in me wants to get things at other people's expense and the service god spiritual mind in me wants to give things at my own expense i spent a lot of time getting things at other people's expense it's time for me to give at my own expense when gluttony 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 the act of eating too much how'd that get in here when gluttony is less than ruinous we have a milder word for that too we call it taking our comfort hey golden corral immediately comes to mind right taking our comfort we live in a world riddled with envy envy is a really interesting one because envy has this other side to it also we'll talk about in a second to a greater or less degree everybody is infected with it from this defect we must surely get a warped yet definite satisfaction else why would we consume such great amounts of time here's the thing wishing for what we have not rather than working for it or angrily looking for attributes we shall never have so the wishing for what we don't have is a really important thing, and this is why. We're really hoping somehow for the failure of the people that have it. We resent them. We resent them for no reason other than they've achieved something that we've imagined is necessary for our happiness. And of course it's not. That's ridiculous. I can really believe this. I can really believe that when I get this house or this car, I'll finally be in this place just like so-and-so or just like this circumstance. I can really get into the idea that there's a magical place in the future, that there's this magical set of circumstances, that there's a mystery in it all, that I can be or become something some other way. And there's really no way to do that. That's me going around thinking I got attributes I should never have. And what's going to ask next, there's a little comma there, it's one sentence I'm breaking up, but this is how you get through it. And this is brought to us as an instead. It says, instead of adjusting to the fact and accepting it, that's how you get through it. You, you get that envious thought, you adjust to the fact and accept it. And how often we work hard with no better motive than to be secure and slothful right later on. Only we call that retiring. Consider too our talents for procrastination which is really sloth in five syllables. Nearly anyone could submit a good list of such defects as these, and few of us would seriously think of giving them up, at least until they cause us excessive misery. That's another thing to think about. Excessive misery, desperation. You'll hear people talk about it being the gift. I don't, you know, we don't have to do it. It tells us we don't have to bludgeon ourselves all the time. You know, we don't have to live in that all the time. However, it is a fantastic motivator. Some people, of course, may conclude that they are indeed ready to have all such defects taken from them. But even these people, even these people, if they construct a list of still milder defects, 
will be obliged to admit that they prefer to hang on to some of them. Like, I, I'm going to go ahead and continue to do certain things about making sure my wife makes the coffee when she feeds the dogs at night, right? Instead of just making the coffee, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do this other thing. I'm going to continue to manipulate here and there, handle my children a certain way. I'm going to let my fears, opinions, and habits remain intact and in place. My foes, my F-O-H's, my foes, like F-O-E, like something against you. I'm going to let my fears, opinions, and habits, my foes, stay in place to some degree just because I like it. Some people, of course, may conclude that they are indeed ready to have all such defects taken from them, it says. But even these people, if they construct a list of still, and this is critical, milder defects, think about that. These aren't the things that cause you trouble all the time. They'll be obliged to admit that they prefer to hang on to some of them. And here's, here's the concluding thing on this idea. Therefore, it seems plain that few of us can quickly or easily become ready. Few of us can quickly or easily become ready to aim at spiritual and moral perfection. We want to settle for only as much perfection as we will, as will get us by in life. Hmm. According, of course, to our variations and sundry ideas of what will get us by, our darn opinion, right? The least valuable form of intelligence. So the difference between the boys and the men is the difference, ready, between striving for a self-determined objective, self-will, and for the perfect objective which is God's will, which is of God, it says. Many will at once ask, how can we accept the entire implication of step six? Why, that is perfection. This sounds like a hard question, but practically speaking, it isn't. Only one step where we made the 100% admission that we were powerless over alcohol can be practiced with the absolute perfection because you're either drinking or you're not, right? That's real easy. Drinking or you're not. The remaining 11 steps state perfect ideals, ideal versus real, important to keep in mind. They are goals toward which we look and the measuring, this is awesome, and the measuring sticks by which we estimate our progress. You're wondering, so how am I doing? How am I doing with this? Well, measure this. Are you doing things to hurt other people? Are you keeping your character defects in play to get your way? Are you doing things to serve other people? Are you trying to get them what they want at your expense? Or are you trying to get what you want at their expense? That is your measuring stick by which you can estimate your progress. Seen in this light, step six is still difficult, but not at all impossible. The only urgent thing, this is a critical thing, this is something we want to do right now, is that we make a beginning and keep trying. So make a commitment to yourself. That's willingness. I make an agreement with myself and I become ready. And once I become ready to have all these defects of character removed, as I encounter them in life, they're removed through prayer. And I ask God for understanding. I go to those pages that walk me through how to live a day in the life of AA. And that is, I start the night before with 10-step work and I get up in the morning and I pray for God's will 11-step work, and as I go through the day, I pause, pray, and ask for guidance, and the answers come. And as I do those types of things, I'm able to actually live this whole idea of step six out. So I encounter something that gets right up under my skin, somebody treats me poorly, and I'm rightfully mad, or maybe it was a really true, tragic, deep set, oh my Lord, horrifying thing. 
I can still step away from my defects of character, recognize the God-given talents, things like grief, things like uh, remorse, things like gratitude, and I can move these in instead of living in desperate, depressed anger, irritability, and all of that. If we would gain any real advantage in the use of the step on problems other than alcohol, we should need to make a brand new venture into open-mindedness. That's the key thing, that there's solutions other than the one you generate naturally or instinctually. We shall need to raise our eyes toward perfection. So we're going to look for what the ideal is and be ready to walk in that direction and start doing the things that it looks like. You know, what does it look like? What, what is that ideal person doing? What would my God be doing? right now for me. If I wanted God to do something for me, why don't I do that for the other person? It will seldom matter how haltingly we walk or reluctantly or resistingly. All those things don't matter so long as you're walking. The only question will be, are we ready? Looking again at those defects, we are still unwilling to give up. We ought, we have a debt, ought is a word of debt. We ought to erase the hard and fast lines that we have drawn. Perhaps we shall be obliged in some cases still to say, this I cannot give up yet. But we should not say to ourselves, this I will never get up because it says it's a very dangerous framework to work with and we don't want to do that. Let's dispose of what appears to be a hazardous open end we left. It is suggested that we ought to become entirely willing to aim toward perfection. True. We note that some delay, however, might be pardoned. That word, delayed and pardoned, two words, in the mind of a rationalizing alcoholic, oh, so I don't got to do it right now, could certainly be given a long-term meaning. He could say, how very easy. Sure, I'll head toward that perfection, but I'm certainly not going to hurry any. Maybe I can postpone dealing with some of my problems indefinitely. Of course, this won't do. Such a bluffing of oneself, such lying to oneself, such delusion with oneself will have to go the way of many other pleasant rationalizations. At the very least, we shall have to come to grips with some of our worst character defects and take action toward the removal as quickly as we can because it's a bad place to live. We brought them right to the surface. We don't want to leave them there. The moment we say, no, never. Our minds close against the grace of God. Delay is dangerous and rebellion may be fatal. Delay is dangerous and rebellion may be fatal. So that willingness, make this commitment to yourself right now. I am going to deal with the things that offend and affect and wreck and block my relationships with my higher power and the people I love. I'm going to begin to act in the way. I'm going to go and do the things that I want people to do for me, I'm going to go do it for them. I'm going to go first. Oof. The moment we say no, never, our minds close against the grace of God. Delay is dangerous and rebellion may be fatal. Critical stuff coming right now. This is the exact point at which we abandon limited objectives and move towards God's will for us. So that's step six. The main idea here is not so much that I somehow become free of the things of my personality. I don't abandon authenticity. I'm not walking away from honesty with people. I don't have to always be super nice. 
It's not an emotional groveling or a defeat of who I want to be. It's not that at all. It's not that at all. It's to take my talents and put them to use for other people. It's to express the grace that's been shown me as I sit here with the craving to drink, the obsession to drink removed, removed from me, that I'm going to go out in this world and say, thank you, God, for that. Thank you, higher power, for that. Thank you, universal spirit, for that. By serving others, by putting them first. That's the idea here. What keeps me from being in service to others? Because that's the turning point. So here's the story. You're you're walking down the path of recovery, right? And and you you just picture yourself in your mind this beautiful path. And you come around a turn springtime, all kind of flowers out there, you know, whatever your cool path is. Maybe it's along a beach, maybe it's in the mountains and the snow. I don't know. Picture in your mind, you're walking down this most beautiful place, this path, and you're really excited about what comes up. And you round a corner and standing right there, well, it's God. <laughs> God. And he's saying, Hey, you know, I got this fantastic life for you beyond this point, beyond step six. I got, it's, it's better than you would imagine for yourself. I, I, I don't even want to describe it to you because there's a possibility you don't want it. There's a possibility you don't want it. You may run back down this path and hang on to these things that, that keep you from going by me. But there's some things I want from you in order to give you this fantastic life that you're after. And he pulls out his trash can. Right? And he says, you got to take those character defects and you got to put them in God's trash can. Just put them in there. They're of no use to your higher power at all. They don't help you at all. They keep you from the very things you want out of life. Throw them in God's trash can. And you're going to throw some in there and God's going to say, you know what? There's a little bit more. Let's throw that stuff out too. And there'll be things you don't want to throw in the trash can. It's like finding something in a drawer that's been there for five years, completely unbeknownst to you, and you run across it. And you just don't want to give it up. You're like, oh, yeah, that. But I, I might need it one day. You never know. And you don't want to put it in God's trash can. And he says, you know what? I'm going to let you bind to this fantastic life. But as you get burdened, as the weight becomes heavy on you with what you didn't throw away, please come back here and throw that stuff in my trash can. Just come throw it into God's trash can. So as you think about step six, think about this. And a great discussion can go around this. What is the main character defect in you that has caused you the most trouble? What is the main character defect in you that keeps you from being able to do the things you want to do? How, and you may want to use the seven deadly sins from the fourth step. Uh, you may want to even talk about maybe there's something in the fifth step you still haven't admitted to yet. You still haven't released yet. Maybe that's a place for it. What is it that you are using to hold you back. And I hope you guys have a great discussion because discussion because rounding this corner of step six, being entirely willing, you know, making agreement with yourself that you are going to begin to just throw into the trash can instead of blaming someone else's behavior for why you're acting some way, instead of blaming an institution for why you're in your situation, instead of blaming some principle out there in the world for why you think and believe the way you think and believe. And just start serving your higher power, going out and doing the things that you would want done to you for others without any expectation for anything in return, without greed masquerading as ambition, without sloth sitting there waiting for people to do for you. 
What is it? What do you think the main thing is that keeps you where you're at? I hope you guys have a great discussion.